The Rockets Chop Shop is your one-stop shop for all your basketball needs. For highlights, analysis, podcasts, we do it all here at The Rockets Chop Shop. Make sure you hit the like button on the videos that you watch if you enjoy them. Hit the subscribe button to get notifications from all the great drops that we have on the channel. Also, you can visit the Chop Shop merch store and get you some of the swaggiest gear in the Houston Rockets kingdom. And if you want, you know, you can always support the channel directly through donations. And if you want, you can support us through our partnerships with our sponsors. The Rockets Chop Shop is made by fans for fans. And we're going to keep rocking and keep dropping that heat. This is something I know. What is up, CSGs? In this video, I'm going to talk about the Rockets and what I think about them in the preseason so far. I know it's only two games, but let me cook. Let me cook. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit, uh, you know, I'm going to take the victory laps that I can. And also, we're going to talk about the matchup against Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs on Monday and Wednesday. So how can we guard Wemby? Who's going to guard Wemby? I'm going to get into all of that in this podcast, in this video, right now. Yeah, I think we've been great defensively in those two games. Uh, obviously, holding teams to the numbers we have has been great. Uh, steals numbers, uh, turning teams over, and then transferring that to offense has been great. So, um, yeah, I mentioned quite a few times, the guys play extremely hard. They're playing together for each other. Uh, Selfish on offense and locking in on defense. So that's kind of the identity we want to form. And um, we've thrown a few different coverages at them and they're buying into it and working, working well in the games. So one of the things that I like to do as the season goes along is I like to track stats. And you guys already know this if you've been on the channel uh, for a while, if you've been watching me for a while, I'm you know very into the metrics and data and analytics. Um, so obviously the Rockets have only played two preseason games and you have to take every preseason game with a grain of salt. Um, so I'm not putting too much into stats, but there are some stats that I found very, very interesting and encouraging for the Rockets, given where they were last year. Right. So, you know, before anybody says, oh, it's just preseason, you know, it's only two games. Hey, I know that. I know that. So I'm going to put that disclaimer out right now. But um, just the way the Rockets are playing I'm just like, I'm really, really, really invested in this team because I feel like all of the things they're doing are very, very sustainable. There's nothing that we're doing that is out of this world. They're just playing hard and playing smart. And as Coach Udoka said, um, there's still a lot of ways they could improve, such as transition. Um, they could improve in their shot, shot selection. They could improve in their rotations and communication. Um, right now is the worst and every game that goes forward is going to be the worst they're going to be because as this team continues to gel and uh, work together and learn each other, they're going to get better. Um, but, you know, just looking at their uh, play types, uh, you know, th this is something I looked at them for them last year. Uh, some play style ranks that the Rockets have after two uh, preseason games. Um, right now, Rockets are overall offense. Uh, according to Synergy, they have the third uh, most efficient offense in the NBA, um, which is a... a way distance away from where we came from being 30th and pretty much everything even though it's only two games and, and here's another exciting thing rockets are number two in the nba in overall defense and even more exciting here's the one that i almost cried I, guys i almost cried seeing this 
The Rockets have the number eight transition offense in the NBA right now, and they're number one in transition defense. Now, the reason that I'm so excited about those two numbers are because transition offense or defense are a metric of structure. And what I mean by that is typical metrics, you know, shooting, there's a lot of variance in shooting. A team could have a hot shooting night, a cold shooting night, um, which really doesn't tell you much. Um, or, or other other metrics that we use, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, uh, maybe assists and things like that. Assists it can be a structure one as well. But transition offense and defense, what, what that really tells you is guys have communication, they're disciplined, and they're following uh, uh, the, the structure that the coaches have installed for them to follow. When you're filling lanes, getting back in transition, when you're um, where you're supposed to be picking up your men, that takes a lot of communication and a lot of teamwork and a lot of smart, high IQ basketball. And for them to lead the NBA after literally two years ago, being the worst transition team in NBA history is amazing. It is amazing. There was not one game last year. We're talking about two game sample size. There was not one game last year where the Rockets were the best team on a nightly basis, on one night that we had the best transition defense or offense. So even though, um, you know, it's a small sample size for them to be number one in the NBA in two games, that is ultra significant for this team in Houston right now. And and that's something that I think is sustainable. And you look at those ranks, obviously I don't think we're going to end up with the number two overall defense and the number three overall offense because that would mean we'd be a top four seed. And I know some of the people on the channel actually believe that, but I'm, I'm going to slow down and, and say I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but one thing I do see is that the things they're doing to be in this position are just working hard, communicating and hustling. And those are sustainable. And you could scale that out to a game to game basis. Um, they're not shooting extremely well. They're shooting OK as a team. And I'll talk about that in a second. But right now, just hustling and doing what they're supposed to do and playing smart basketball has put this team in position um, to be basically if even if you add in, think about it. Uh, as the season goes along, you're going to have um, you're going to have teams. Obviously, the competition is going to get better. Guys are going to try harder. The coaches are going to adjust. I'm talking about for the opponents. They're going to adjust to the team specifically, even for us. We're not giving all the stuff that we want to do right now. And Coach Udoka referenced it in this post-practice interview that they haven't really rolled out all their all their their packages yet. All they're given is base stuff. So even for us, there's levels that we can go with this. So for other teams as well. And obviously, you know, as good as uh, Indiana is, Miles Turner didn't play. Halliburton didn't play. Then you look at the Pelicans. I mean, they look like they was ready to go back home at halftime. So the competition level is going to pick up. Um, you're going to see better players, more, more, uh, especially, you know, like Golden State Warriors. You're going to face off the LeBrons and the, the Jokic's and the Giannis's and the Dames. So those players are going to come to town. So all of that means I'm trying to say is that it's going to, you know, at some point it's not going to be preseason and, and the competition is not going to be, you know, some random, you know, fifth string guy that's probably never, never going to play in the NBA. But if you're this high up and I, we're going to track this metric going forward, I'm going to track it throughout the preseason until, you know, they, they call off all the good players and it's just a bunch of guys that are trying to get uh, tape on, then I'm not really not going to care then. But as, for the most part, from when the starters are playing at least more than a half or a half of the game, you can kind of gauge some of these metrics as to what we're doing. Um, I'm going to track this, right? I think, in my opinion, as time goes on, um, if you're starting off like this, let's say they sustain being top 10 for the whole preseason, that just tell me they're going to be middle of the pack during the NBA year. 
right? That means they're going to be, what I mean by middle of the pack, they're going to be in the in the mid-teens. And if they can, they can make that jump, the plans are, are definitely in the cards. The plane is definitely in the cards. These are the things that you want to see. So them being in two games, uh, the number uh, two overall defense in the NBA, having the number one transition defense, that means if I factor in all the stuff I just said, I'm probably, what, 14th, 15th in the NBA. Middle of the pack defense. I cannot see a world where... Uh, you have Jabari Smith Jr. You have uh, Tari Eason on your team, Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks. You have Alperen Shangun, you know, playing the way he's playing right now. Um, obviously, with Jalen and his eternal development on that side, they're going to get better. Uh, even though if you count Alpi and Jalen as weak links in the defense, you still have one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, one of the best guard defenders in the NBA in Fred Van Vliet, and the perimeter defender being Dylan Brooks. Tari Eason, one of the best young defenders. Jabari Smith, an up-and-coming defender. Uh, Alperen Shangun, a high IQ player, and Jalen Green, a player that is on ball, one of the best guard defenders uh, in the NBA as far as just isolation. Where he suffers at is on the team part. So as that goes up, they have the ability to be a, a decent defense. Uh, one thing I really enjoyed from watching the uh, Pelicans game over again was I just went back and looked at some of the defensive clips from that and, and the, the, the way they were switching up their schemes. Uh, with personnel and this is a term that uh, Coach Adoka used in an interview KYP know your personnel they literally apply that in real time and I don't know like I said when when I look at the game of basketball I look at it from a different angle than a lot of people Um, I try to look at it as a coach would look at it rather than just a fan which would be just stats and you know what the external stuff is when you can run a game plan that you are actually scheming on players and your players are able to respond to the game plan in real time based on the player and personnel on the court that shows a different level of structure that i haven't seen from this team since the mike d'antoni and james harden rocket so very very excited this is all great stuff for us honestly think that um the middle of the pack is there i wouldn't be surprised if they were a top 15 defense in the nba because as coach Adoka pointed out we could have multiple types of bodies to throw at guys right we have multiple type of players to throw at guys and i'm going to talk about it with the Wemby section coming up but you know these numbers to me are are just a great markers and measures of winning if i if i had to categorize them so some other interesting measures that i saw um while digging through the stats for the rockets and these are all from Synergy. Uh, right now, the Rockets are uh, in catch and shoot threes, number six in the NBA. Remember, I told you guys when I did a video about Ime Udoka, what was this calling card? It's going to be those catch and shoot generating threes, especially catch and shoots, uh, three point frequency and passing. Right. I haven't d- dug through the assist numbers yet. I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit more to get some more information on the passing because I just don't feel like there's enough data for that right now. But as far as uh, generating uh catch and shoot and the quality of the shots that's going to be where we get those from right so and from those catch and shoot threes we only have 40 attempts which is fairly low i had complained about that in the first game and i think that that first game really really hurt us in our attempts i look for them to increase their catch and shoot attempts as time goes on um depending on what their matchups are and who they're playing if you're going to leave the paint open like the pacers did then yeah we're going to kill you on the inside and get a lot of points in the paint but if it's a thing where um a team tries to have a drop big like we just saw with Jonas valachunas those catch and shoot numbers are going to go up but right now we're number six in the nba shooting 40 percent of on those shots so that's that's sustainable that's something you can generate remember i told you guys that little celtics graphic with, with the, their 2022 team that went to the finals them boys cannot shoot Right. Them boys could not shoot, but it's not necessarily the shooters. It's the type of shots they're getting. 
that really, really matters. Try to mitigate the bad shots, increase the good shots. And I think that as time goes on, they're going to do that. For the assists, just general assists, right now we're ninth in the NBA. This is a far cry from when we were 30th. This is the impact of a coach and a point guard, right? I said on Locked On Rockets, um, you know, uh, Jackson pointed out about uh, replacing uh, Kevin Porter Jr. with Fred Van Fleet as a you know replacing a, a, like 20 percent of your roster with dylan and fred as makes 40 percent of your roster is new but to me the point guard role is is more than 20 percent even though you know mathematically that's one-fifth of the players but you think about the intangibles and the impact that a pg would have on the entire game like a point guard is the coach on the floor and they touch everything and if your coach is somebody that's unstable then it's really hard to really have structure on the court and generate what you want to do and execute the game plans that you and your team watch film and practiced on. So having Fred in there to get the guys set, to get players in positions, to get guys their touches when they need it, to communicate and watch him, even when he's not on ball, he's still navigating the team. And he's just constantly talking and pointing and, and getting guys where they need to be on both sides of the court. So I think that's a huge, huge boost for the team right now. Um, but the, being ninth in assist for the Houston Rockets, I think that number is going to go up as they generate more catch and shoot threes. Guys are going to hit their shots. And I think for the starters, when they play more minutes, those numbers are going to keep going up. And right now we're elite, uh, number 12 in the NBA in turnovers, which once again, that's a major improvement. We've led the NBA in turnovers or being worse in, in turnovers for the past three years. And now being middle of the pack, I think that number is going to sustain kind of somewhere in the middle as well. Everything I'm seeing from the Rockets, they're going to be middle of the pack. Um, there is no way. And the announcer for the 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 announcer for the uh, the game that was in Birmingham against the Pelicans said that. And shout out to Bro. I don't know was he talk talking through a a ham radio uh, that you know the the announcer. I don't know if you guys have seen or watched the version of the game that was uh, the Pelicans version. It was nasty, man. The uh, commentator he was he was saying some real stuff. Like if you hear, he was actually commentating well. It just sounded like he was uh, calling in for backup for troops uh, in the jungles of Vietnam. But um, you know, those are some great metrics to see, man. This is sustainable stuff. There's nothing really amazing going on here uh, with the Rockets in that. So for the game preview versus the San Antonio Spurs, um, you know, we're obviously playing them on Monday. I'm looking forward to this game because of Wembyama. He poses a a a conundrum for coaches. And I, I love, and I know Ime Udoka is excited to be able to scheme for him. And trust me, you know, they say they don't scheme in the preseason, they're going to scheme for him. I just, I just, because all of the eyes and and it could be, a, a, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes on that game. And I think it's rightfully so because the Spurs um, having one of the biggest draft picks uh, in the past since LeBron came into the league um, and the Rockets having multiple draft picks over the past few years. Uh, the, this is the future of the NBA that we're going to be watching. And hopefully uh, going forward, this is going to be a battle where we get to meet the Spurs in Western Conference Finals. And, you know, it kind of takes us back to the dream versus uh, the Admirals and, you know, kind of back in the day, kind of beef with them um but you know for the game you know just overall for the spurs i think that uh they're they are they're looking good and i think they're gonna be a good young team i i don't think they have enough vets right now to really make the push that a lot of people expect them to i've been hearing people saying they're gonna make the playoffs that's just stupid um as good as victor is there's a lot of holes in his game and things he needs to improve on and right now he's just out there just just kind of getting his feet wet um which is scary <laughs> it's scary i actually watched that uh, miami game and um i came away very very impressed 
not with all the tween hezzies and dribbles and all that just the the amount of space this man takes up on the court um is, is just impressive i'll get to him in a second but just for the spurs uh some no- notable things about their team Right now, San Antonio, uh, they have the second be- uh, most efficient offense throughout the uh, throughout the preseason. They they have a, a really, really nice offense and it flows really well. And, you know, one marker for Greg Popovich, he can do a, a, a lot with a little. But for the Spurs, they have a team. I just don't see them like making that push. Now, the matchup versus the Rockets is going to be interesting to me. That's going to be an interesting matchup because I feel like um, this, you know, the, the term styles make fights. Um, I can see this as being a team that maybe not right now, but down in future in the future, it is going to be a kind of a a a, uh, a stylistic matchup that I don't know who's going to win it because um, when you look at our roster, uh, one thing Coach Udoka pointed out, and I alluded to this earlier, is how versatile we are, and, and what we're going to find out from this game is going to be whether we can guard Victor Wembanyama, and I think that's going to what it's going to come down to for the Spurs, whether you can guard Victor Wembanyama. If you have the body types, and we still don't know what his Achilles heel is going to be as a player. Every player has a, has a profile of a, another player that gives them fits. That's every player does. Victor hasn't played enough to figure that out. And what I mean by that is even Shaq, there are guys that Shaq would say that they could be the a backup center. But whenever they play that guy or that type of player, it just gives them. It could be a short player because they get under them. It could be a physical player because they play rough with them. It could be a taller player because of the length. It could be a size thing. I mean, so many factors that really impact. Like, for example, uh, James Harden, uh, you know, obviously being a, a Rockets fan, I noticed the type of players James Harden would struggle on were the thicker guards, like the Drew Holiday, the Lou Dortz. Those guys that have girth and can move their feet because he can't bully them like he would the smaller guards. So they would the, the feet movement for those guards would be able to neutralize his change in direction, and then their size would be able to neutralize his strength. So then it made it really tough for him. He really struggled against bigger guards that could guard him. And there's a couple of other guys that really gave him fits when, when they played him. So you think about for Victor, brand new player in the NBA, who's going to be able to guard him? That's going to be the question for us in this these games that we're going to play at the Spurs. Who's going to guard Victor? And for me, you know what I mean? I don't know, man. I don't know. But, you know, we'll take intermission in the video. I want you guys in the chat right now, before I even say who I think should guard him or what my game plan is, put it in the in the chat because this is going to be a premiere. If you're watching it after the premiere, put it in the comments. I'm curious to see what y'all's peoples are. Um, but let me let me just finish my profile on Victor. So coming into this game, uh, he's going to be averaging 21.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, two assists. I mean, the points you know he's shooting 64 percent, so it's it's fairly efficient 30 percent on five attempts is pretty good for a six seven guy that's seven foot four and then 80 percent from a free throw line letting you know that the jumper is pure so this dude is a shooter and um and and coach Udoka pointed out after practice he's more of a perimeter player right now so basically victor is a wing he's basically just a tall wing that could cover half the court standing in one place and could block shots is crazy averaging uh, two blocks he is averaging four turnovers uh, and that's going to be key for the Rockets and I'm going to tell you why if, you know I don't know the matchups yet but if Wemby is on you do you want to take him outside which is what you do against a lot of guys or he is a slender do you want to try and take him off the dribble get him inside see what he's got um, just depends you know depends on how you guarded me um be pressed up, you know. Might try to go by him, but you know, just just fill it out. You know, play within the offense, and, and as the game goes, I'll I'll know how how to how to score. 
This is not the other end. Do you want that assignment or? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. You know, you got to press them with the ball. You know, uh, forcing to to make moves, forcing to change directions, and just if he raises up, kind of hope he misses. You know what I'm saying? You really can't get up there and contest it, but defend him without fouling and make it tough on him from the jump. When was the last time you matched up with somebody five inches taller than you? Um, five minutes ago. <laughs> now Jabari alluded to this in his uh, post game, uh, post practice conference about what his plans, and I think if that's going to give it away, I personally think Jabari should take on that assignment for Victor Rambiyama. That's a Jabari assignment. I think that not only does he have the length to be able to not contest him, but to bother him, he also has the foot speed to be able to match up with him uh, on the perimeter. Because you, when I say length, I've seen how the Heat were trying to guard him. Uh, they had some guys that try to get under him. He's just too tall. He's too tall. The dude is four inches taller than Kevin Durant, right? So when he shoots over you, he's going to shoot over you. So I don't think you can throw on the example of like P.J. Tucker on, on KD. That's 6'5 to 7 foot. That's too much, you know, how P.J. would get physical and rough him up a little bit. And it made it hard on KD. I think, Victor, you have to do the P.J. Tucker uh, philosophy of physical play with him. But you have to do it with at least somebody that's touching his length. And I'm, if there's a lot of pauses in, in this video, I don't care. So a lot of a lot of uh, you got to have somebody that could that could get with him at that level. You're not going to bother him as far as contesting a shot, but you can be physical, get under him and still bother his release a little bit. And I think Jabari has the wingspan to be able to do it. Now, they're going to run a lot of actions to get him mismatches in the post. If you look at the shot chart right now, a lot of Victor's shots, majority of them are coming from inside the arc. He's living at the dunks, uh, living off of dunks and layups. And well, no layups for him. It's mostly dunks and a bunch of middies. And the middies have been pretty good, um, especially in the last game. You can see he's not a great three-point shooter at this moment in his career. So I think playing him more on the, uh, not to be extra on the perimeter. If Victor Wembanyama is gonna settle for shooting a bunch of three-pointers, good for him, right? We've won that, that possession. Anytime he stepped foot inside that three-point arc, they need to ball pressure him. Ball pressure him. He, he averages four turnovers, so he's at eight turnovers in two games. Ball pressure is going to be the thing. Swipe, all the stuff we've been doing so far in the preseason. And I think Jabari is really, really good at, at pressuring the ball. And whoever guards him. And then when you come to the fact that we have multiple types of players, because when Jabari sits, you can put Tari Eason on him, who is not as tall as Jabari, but has one of the craziest wingspans in the NBA. That's going to be a guy that bother him. And, I, and to me... I'm going to save Dylan Brooks um, as for Devin Vassell and some of their other scoring wings because they have other players that could hurt you and really hurt you. But if it came down to it, you could also switch it up and throw Dylan on there. I've seen a lot of people uh, say go with Dylan first. I'm not mad at that. I just feel like Jabari was built for this. This is what we he is. When we when we were drafting Jabari, when everybody was drooling over what he could be, these are the moments right a guy that's damn near seven foot tall that can move his feet like he could could shoot could do all the things he does has the instincts on defense to do what he does these are the moments we were dreaming about i need that to be a thing jabari versus uh victor jabari versus Vic victor i need to see that i want it to start right now so i'm greedy i want that to be a thing i want them to meet up to, on monday and be able to play each other and i want jabari to take that assignment personally to line up and say i got him Hell, pick him up full court if you want to. But I need that to be a thing. But obviously, I think they're going to have other players to throw at Victor. Um, do I think he's going to go off on the Rockets? No, I don't think so. 
Um, I think uh, Emil Doka is going to make it a purpose. And just watch watch the game. And I, if I if my instincts are correct, Ime is going to take on this personally. One, you got the Popovich thing, so that's that uh, the teacher and the pupil type deal. Um, then you got the, the all the national attention Victor is going to has been getting, and it's an opportunity for the Rockets to really showcase that hey, we're not the same Rockets that you've seen. Um, but as far as like the game, I really don't care what the outcome, win or lose. I look at what the starters do and just the efficiency and all the other scores. I think it's going to be a great game. I want to see, you know, what the game plan is against Victor. I'm going to be watching out for that. I'm going to be watching out for that. But, you know, so we play them twice. Um, Let me see. I'm going to make a prediction. I think we split with them. We're going to go one-on-one with them, not because we can't beat them twice. I think that probably in that second game, you're going to start seeing a lot of our starters uh, start resting. And just like they had said that they would give at least uh, every player gets one of the vets would get one game off. So I think once you do that, then they'll start. Once we, you know, if we take care of Monday, you'll see more of like a man coming in and other guys getting chances to start on that Wednesday game. But it's going to be an exciting game, man. Get used to having exciting games every night. This was not a thing for us last year. Um, It's a beautiful time to be a Rockets fan. Once again, I think all this stuff is sustainable. The numbers are sustainable. Your Houston Rockets are the number one transition defense in the NBA. It's only for two games, but hey, let's take the victories where they are. And uh, once again, y'all let me know in the chat who you got guarding Victor. I got Jabari. I'm throwing Bari on him, right? I'm throwing Bari on him. Who y'all got? Put it in the chat. Put it in the comments. If you're still listening to this video at this point in the podcast, hit the like button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. Keep rocking with the Chop Shop, and we're going to keep dropping that fire.